Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So we've been going through one of my favorite, 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 favorite things in the world, which is the Gospels. I love the Gospels. You know why I love the Gospels? Can you guess? It's good news. It is. Anybody else? Because it's Jesus. Jesus. It doesn't get any better than Jesus. I'm sorry. There's no upgrade. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. He is. It's the best upgrade you can get. That's absolutely right. And the thing about Jesus is, Hebrews tells us, he is the exact representation of the Father. Anybody here, you struggle to understand who God is? Okay, you're not here. If, if people are like, no, I got him figured out. Okay, no, let, let me back it up. We all struggle because how can we understand the invisible, the infinite, the almighty God with this little pea brain? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So in this, Jesus, it's wonderful. Jesus says to the disciples, they're like, show us the Father. Yeah, and anybody here, you're like in a moment, you know it's a spiritual moment, but you don't know what to say, so you say something stupid and spiritual. That was that. Like, oh, uh, this is like a deep moment. Uh, show us the Father, right? And Jesus goes, for three years I've been with you. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I, so if you want to see God, Guess where you can look? The Gospels. I love it. And I've said this before. What I love about the Gospels is they're three-dimensional, right? It's not this cartoon character because we literally actually have it in four dimensions, right? We got four Gospels show different sides of him. And last, when, when I realized we were going to go after how Jesus encounters the sick, right? Jesus encountering the sick. Can we go to the next slide? Oh, no, I, did. I stole that slide. You can go back. I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, I was wrong. There we go. There we go. I wanted to do... There we go. That's the one I want. Um, I, what I really wanted... I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun because I love watching Jesus with sick people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, it's a show that always ends well, right? And Jesus encountering the sick. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And I was like, I'm, let's do Mark. You know why I like Mark? Mark was the very first gospel written. It was probably written... Because all the people in Rome who got the book of Romans were like, oh, we need more info. And Mark and Peter were there and they're like, hey, we got this. We'll explain. Here's a little story. This is a little story, action comics of what Jesus did. So it's always like immediately. It's amazing. But then there were, you know, it didn't answer all the questions. So there were a bunch of Jews who go, yeah, 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 yeah. But how does this action comics guy deal with what happened in scripture? Matthew's like, I got you. I got you. I'm going to use a bunch of the parts of Mark, and I'm going to make one that speaks to your Jewishness. But you know, there was another guy who traveled with Paul named Luke, and Luke was a doctor. Now listen, anybody, you've been, we, I talked about this before. If you go to a party, and then if pe- a bunch of people go to a party, and then you ask them all afterwards what happened, you're going to get as many stories as people were there, based upon what they value, right? Like, if I go to a party, and I come home, and Masha asks me, what were they wearing? I'm fairly confident they were clothed, <laughs> right? You know, you know, it's so funny. Like, like Masha ch- trimmed her, her hair, got her hair trimmed, and, and she walks in, and after a while she goes, you, you notice that I trimmed my hair? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> Danya walks in, three minutes, she goes, oh, did you get a haircut, mom? 
Anyway, so, so what happens is, is in Luke, Luke's a doctor. What do you think a doctor is obsessed with? What? Fixing, healing, breakthrough for the people who are suffering, right? So over and over again through Luke, if you want dig deep in healing, man, look at Luke. It's so much fun because he's like a doctor. He's done all of his own effort to heal people and it's not working. Jesus walks up and boom, he's like, oh, that's what I want, right? And so, so into that. And John, though, John writes his the last. And that's why John is so very different because first of all, John was right up close with the action, right? Luke wasn't up close with the action. We think Matthew was. We're not sure which Matthew it is. There's a lot of Matthews running around. But, the, but John was the beloved, right? But the reason he writes it around 90 AD is because he's like, all these people are like, you know, Jesus, he wasn't really God. And he's like, whoa, hold the press. And he starts out First John with this. He goes, let me tell you about the one that we have, who was before all time, God, but whom we have touched and we have held. Don't you dare diss my boy. He is fully God and fully man. Don't get it twisted, my friend. And so the whole bit of of John is totally different as a result. And so, but the interesting thing is, is I was like, if you want to know something, I I, I realized I'd never done this. I literally looked at every place where Jesus healed people in the scripture. Man, you want to just go through. It's like going through a rinse cycle. Like it just whacks the stuff off of you where you think, you believe something, because a lot of times our theology is based upon our experience. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God heals all the time. Wait, I didn't get healed. Never mind, right? And, uh, and I watched this over and over and over again. I was watching, and it's so amazing. There are 24 unique moments when he heals individuals or like two or three or, in one case, 10 people. And then there's, there's about 10 places where he heals, uh, well, it depends on how you count it, four, four to 10 places where he heals a bunch of people. And so I looked at all of those, and I was like, wow, that's going to be a very long Sunday if we do that. We're not doing that today. Praise Jesus. Some of you look terrified. Um, what I want to do is I found this section, like I said, in Mark, and I was like, let's do Mark. And I got Mark all set up for last week, and then, then Masha and Marina had the audacity to wreck it and bring Holy Spirit, and it was awesome, and remove, and kicked the sermon out, and we, and we went. So I was like, okay, good. Lord, I'm, I'm primed for this week. And I was in the shower this morning. He goes, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to know about today's message that I've already have everything figured out for? Anybody here prayed that way, right? Which is AKA, bless what I already got figured out. Anyway, um, did you know that man will not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What tenses proceeds? Present tense. You know you can't live on yesterday's manna, yesterday's word. You need to hear something fresh. Anybody don't want to hear nothing fresh because you got it all figured out? Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> What happened is, I'm sitting there in the shower, and he goes, I'm like, what do you want me to know? He's like, I want to do Matthew today. I said, no. No offense, Matthew's fine, but it's nothing compared to the juice that's on Mark and Luke, in, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and I know these things. And so I said, I, I just kind of went silent. I, this is my trick with Jesus. When Jesus is speaking, he doesn't say what I like. I just get silent, move on, and then sneak up on him again. And I'm like, Lord, really, what do you want me to know about this? He said, I already spoke. Why are you asking me if you don't want to listen? <laughs> Awkward. Anyway, so I was like, fine. So, you know, at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going through Matthew and come to find out Jesus is in Matthew too. So we're going to be going through, we're going to go through Matthew 8 and 9. And the good news is a bunch of these passages we've already looked at in other encounters, 
But I want you to do is I want you guys to be reporters. I want you guys to pay attention. I want you to watch Jesus' face. I want you to watch his heart towards people. Does that make sense? So even if you think you've got it all memorized, I need you to come with fresh eyes, and we're going to do a little bit of statistical analysis for those of you. Who's my happy people? Some of you are blinking. You're like, yes, I like statistical analysis. All right. So what we're going to do is I want us to think about this in, in, in a couple different ways. First is is who, right? I had this all figured out. I should have figured this out. Um, The first is who. The second is, uh, I want to say what. And the third is how. And the last is if. What I mean by that, well, we'll show you in the first one. Let's take a look at that. So if you got Bibles, Congratulate. Okay, points for you, Warren. <laughs> That's right. I'm not saying I judge you, but some of you are more special than others. Moving on. All right. Matthew chapter 8, okay? Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, what mountainside was he on? How would I know? Look before. You guys, I know it's stupid at this point, the number of times I've said that, but you need to understand this. Context is king. Context always wins. Let me give you an example. Dude, he was killing it. What do I mean? He was doing it very, very well. It being he was an executioner. Right? No, I mean, like, like, do you understand? Like, 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 context matters, right? Do, do you, you got to understand this. You and I, when we come to scripture, we bring our expectations, our understanding, the understandings we've been given by others, and that keeps us from encountering Jesus. We've got to look at the text as it was written because Jesus will speak through it. Context is king. So the mountainside is the mountainside of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Chapter 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Now let me explain something to you. If there were uh, transcripts of your life from the last three years, how many pages of text would that be? A lot, right? You know, I don't know, maybe this much. Our Bibles aren't that big, are they? So what did the writers of the Gospels have to do to convey what Jesus did in three years down to? What do you think? Make it smaller. smaller. That's exactly right. And so they had to select. And there's many different ways that you can do that. You can either choose a bunch of random things, but each one had a goal. And so Matthew, what you see, the Sermon on the Mount, he collects together the highlight reels of Jesus' messages. And it most likely happened this way on the Sermon on the Mount, but, it, but it's also, it's a highlight reel. Does that make sense? And that's why parts of the Sermon on the Mount are broken up and show up in different places in the other Gospels. So now we're going to go into a highlight reel of another kind, healing. Over these next two chapters, we run into nine healing encounters. Boom, 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 boom. Okay? Did they happen boom, 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 boom all the time when he walked the earth? Yes. But he's giving us either a super close snapshot or a highlight reel because he wants us to pay attention. Okay? All right. So, so he said, this is what, how he taught. This is what he said. Now this is what he did. When Jesus came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him and a man with leprosy, a leper, right? That's who. A leper came up, right? 
a leper came up. Now, here's my question. Anybody know what leprosy is? Believe it or not, it doesn't eat your skin. We always think of that. They look like they're rotting, right? But a person with leprosy has one problem. It is numbness. And because they lose, it's kind of like um, uh, neuropathy. They lose the feeling in parts of their body. And uh, anybody here, you discovered you had a cut long after it happened and it had already gotten infected? But you got infected. You realized it was infected because it hurt, right? What if you had no feeling? So particularly in the areas that they couldn't see, like your nose or your ears or your extremities, what would happen is they get a little cut. They wouldn't even notice it. By the time other people noticed it, it had gangrene and it died. So not normal for lepers to have their nose rotted off, their ears rotted off. Wow. Does that sound terrifying? Yeah. yeah. So, But it's all because of numbness. Anybody have someone in your life who is numb to the effects of their actions? Just leave that right there. And it's rotting in their life and they are unaware of it. Or they're blaming other people. All right. So the leper, we have the leper. Now, a leper in this society, a leper was uh, an outcast, right? They, I mean, because they didn't know where it came from. Most of the time, leprosy was actually transferred in, in youth and then only manifested in adulthood. But they didn't know. So the minute somebody showed up with, with that, the law of Moses actually said they had to be moved out of the camp. Anybody here had a form of leprosy that got you kicked out of the camp? Okay, some of you are like, no. Let's not talk about that. Trauma, right? Outcast, kicked out, judged. And they also believed if you had a sickness, then whose fault was it? Yours, Yours, right? You remember how Jesus said, when, when the disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? How did the guy manage to sin in the womb? I mean, that's a go-getter if there ever was one right? No, blame, outcast and blame. Well, let's see what Jesus does, right? And they weren't allowed to come near anybody. They had to ring a bell and go, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the shame of having to yell out your private shame just to draw near to other people? So what does Jesus do? And he came and knelt before him. Okay, you've got to understand how risky this was. Literally, people would stone you if you came close. What does Jesus do? And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Able to be back in society. He didn't even ask to be whole. Do you hear that? He's not asking for his nose to grow back. He's asking just to be clean so he can be in society again, so he can actually have relationship again. And Jesus reached out and touched him what is the one thing you don't do if somebody has been declared you guys remember when covid first hit and they were like boxing people up in plastic bags and they're like i mean it was like freaky right but infectious disease infectious disease what do you do you don't touch them what has nobody done to him in years do you know that a horrible thing the nazis did studies that were horrible but they did studies and they found you can feed clothe change everything a child but if you do not give them touch they will die 
He has been removed. Jesus, the first thing Jesus does is he touches him. Touches him. He says, touches him. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Immediately. Did he get healed? Absolutely. He has two M's in there somewhere. Immediately he was healed. See that you, then Jesus told him, see that you do not tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In the Torah, they were required, if, there was, if they were ever miraculously restored to health, they had to go to the temple and the priest would verify that they were healed. They were cleansed. And then they were allowed back in society. So Jesus is just saying, listen, and he, man, um, we, we had a young man in our young adult group on, on uh, Tuesday, and God, in the middle, we just asked Jesus for his presence to come, and this guy, got his, he had been in a, a motorcycle accident, and he had lost most of the functional range of motion in this hip. It got completely healed instantaneously in a moment. The next day, he went for PT, and guess what? They verified that, but they also verified his concussion was gone, and, they ver- and then his bruises disappeared, and his heart rate went to the lowest level it's ever been. He wouldn't have known all that if he hadn't gone to the doctor. There's nothing wrong. God uses doctors, and sometimes just to verify. But has anybody here been afraid to verify a miracle? Yeah. No, there's, this is, he's saying, be brave, my man. Go out to the very man. You know who kicked him out of society? It was the priest. He goes back to the priest, and the priest is the one who invites him back in. Wow, such bravery. But guess what he says? He said, he said don't tell anybody. I'm not going to use your, what happened to you for my glory. You matter. In, uh, in, in Mark, it says, but he didn't. And he went and told everybody. <laughs> Listen, it's not reverse psychology. Jesus didn't want him to tell. All right, well, let's move on. When Jesus, verse 5, entered Capernaum, his hometown, a centurion came to him asking for help. Okay, you got to understand. Do you know who the centurion was? Y'all ever watch Dukes of Hazard? He was Boss Hogg. Sorry, it just maybe that's way too dated. Uh, he was the authority of oppression, domination, and control. He was the one. Okay, imagine a political figure that you despise and you think is trying to take away your freedom. No names. Moving on. Imagine they were to come to you and say, I need healing. Moving on. So here he is. The centurion shows up and he goes low and asks. For help. Centurion ain't never done nothing but demand. He asks for help. Lord, he calls him. Lord, not like Lord, capital O-O-R-D, but like you are my master, he speaks to him. Now, if you have any offense toward this person, you wouldn't do this, but I would. If I have any offense toward them, I'm like, that's right. Glad you figured this out. We don't see Jesus do that, praise him. All right, Lord, my servant lies at home Paralyzed, suffering terribly. What if the people you most despise in politics have a need that Jesus wants to meet 
Could he do it through you? My servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said, I shall come and heal him. Shall, oh, he said, shall I come and heal him? He's asking a question. He, even though the man has put him in a position of authority, he refuses to use that as a means to dominate him. Gentle. So who we got? We got centurion, server. He says, so what is it? He said, he is in, a centurion's, okay, a Jew was not allowed to go into a pagan's house, let alone somebody like a centurion. Jesus says, are you asking me to come into your house? Are you asking me? Okay, this is totally side point. Stay with me. I heard an amazing testimony. Two guys were on a beach in Florida back in February over spring break. They accidentally, they were just loving people with Jesus and they came across an area where there was a nude bather. Do you think Jesus loved that man? They walked up to him. They began to share Jesus with him, love on him. No shame, no nothing. The guy gets saved. So he begins to pray like this. (laughs) He wants to join them. He said, but I don't have a swimsuit. I need to go get one. Guys, guys, could God take you to the people we judge and shame and love them and reveal the kingdom to them? The centurion said, replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. You, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell them to one to go and he goes and the other to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and he said to those following, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. We've talked about this trust. He's trusting him. He says, he says, I wouldn't ask that of you, but I trust you to do this. I trust you. Let's just keep going. We'll jump down, keep moving. He said, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. He doesn't even speak it. Do you realize? He just agrees. And the healing, it says, it says in the other, in, uh, in Mark, if we were reading over there or Luke, uh, it says that, that the centurion went home, found him healthy. When he checked it out, he realized the boy had been healed right at this moment. Immediately. (laughs) Moving on. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law. And we know in Mark, this was on the Sabbath. So some days you're holy and other days you're holier than thou. (laughs) When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. I love it. It's his mother-in-law. Just leaving that there. He touched her hand. Whoa! He's a rabbi. She's sick. She's a woman. It's the Sabbath. What in the world? And she's a mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mother-in-law, right? Come on, mother-in-law. She is a woman. She's sick. 
It's the Sabbath. And what does he do? He touched her hand. And the fever left her and she got up. Don't you just see how gentle that is? How gentle is that? Anywhere he could have touched her. Any way he could have done it. Any way. But what does he do? He just touches her hand. Just that. Just touch. Yeah? And immediately she's healed. Moving on. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out all the spirits. So we get demon-possessed. So, okay, so the way that they would label them, what do you think people, if you were labeled demon-possessed, what do you think people thought of you? Demon-possessed, yeah. Bad? Yep. Bad, evil. What else? Avoid. What else? Scary. Crazy. Broken. Untouchable. I have a question. If I, if Jesus is magnified in me, what if it causes all the people to hunger for him? And they come to me. And, and he drove out the spirits with a one word. I don't know what that word was. What do you guys think? Out, go. Yeah. Now, you got to understand, you know why this is so unique? If you guys, any of you watched The Chosen, you watched how Nicodemus tries to cast him out. That was actually Cliff Notes. They have whole exorcism manuals. Of the Jews, which looks strangely similar to some of the ones I've seen today, but moving on. There's, and they are complicated. You have to close every door. You have to close every gate. You have to bind every uh, evil demon and every fallen angel. And then you have to call on this angel and the right angel. And you have, it's, a, it's a whole recipe. How did that work for Nicodemus? With Jesus? A word. If you are standing there naked in all of your vulnerability and you, if you, if this is you, if this is what everybody thinks of you, what do you normally do? Hide. Hide, right? So for them, they had to come out to play. They had to come out to be seen, didn't they? How hard must that have been? How hungry they must have been? But isn't it wonderful? Jesus doesn't waste time in healing them. He doesn't put their brokenness on display, but immediately sets them free. This was to fill the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So then we have this little passage about the cost from 18 to 22. We already talked about that. But then we get to the whole thing with the storm. We talked about that with Peter, right? So one of the things about it is, Christ in you is enough for every situation. Doesn't matter what it is. Moving on. So that brings them over to the other side where they run into, and we talked about this before, so I'll just give you cliff notes. 
the men of the Gadarenes, the Gadarene demoniacs, the ones that had been absolutely kicked out of society, the ones who were so tormented, so terrifying that society wanted no part of that. I have a question. Where are those people in our society? Psych units. Psych units. On the streets homeless. On the streets, homeless. Prisons. Where does Jesus go? Why, where does Jesus brave a death, a, a life-threatening storm to go? There. There. He goes there. Ugh. And the great thing is, what happens? How many people come to know Jesus in that place? None. No, because you guys remember, the two, the, these two Gadarene demoniacs, they get saved, they get healed, they get restored, and the people kick them out. Of those people, yeah. None. Right there, so we got we got um, another demoniacs over here, and these guys have been utterly rejected. I would say branded. Anybody had this been treated by people? There's no coming back for you. Yeah. And yet, what does it say? It says he he uh, he healed them, and it wasn't with a word; it was with two sentences. Actually, well, let's see. Let's see how many. Um, they start, started it, and, and then they kept yelling, and he finally just said, go. So it was still just one word. One word. They do all the talking, and one word, and it's immediately. All right. Anybody seeing a theme? All right, so then verse 1 of chapter 9. Jesus stepped back into the boat and crossed back over. So why did Jesus go through a life-threatening storm? To save two. Because he loves them. Because God told him. He crossed over and came into his own town. Some, so this is his own town, right? Anybody from a small town? Can anything go down in a small town that people don't know about? No. <laughs> Not in a small community. You know it won't stay hidden long. Somebody going to know. And if somebody knows, she's going to tell everybody. All right. Jesus stepped in. He crossed over and came to his hometown. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus... okay. So this guy is paralyzed. Paralyzed, that's big news, right? That's, that's front page of the Capernaum Times, right? He's been apparently paralyzed for a while. Interesting. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. The friends. Now, if you're paralyzed, can you fight your friends? <laughs> can anybody here, you've, been you have an area of brokenness in your life and the last place you want to go is where people are whole in that area maybe you're painfully single you don't want to be with married people maybe you're overweight you don't want to be near a gym right whatever it is that or or maybe you're not you don't feel like you're at, you're smart enough or educated you don't want to be in like smart places like universities whatever but here he is, here he is lying paralyzed in his home can you imagine the shame? Everybody walks in and they're walking around with their able bodies and he can't get up. Anybody ever, you have an area of brokenness and you feel like everybody's always staring at it? Anybody had that pimple? 
You know what I'm talking about? You have a pimple and that's like, it must be this big. And like the whole traffic wants to stop to look at it, right? In that thing, here he has been lying in his brokenness. And his friends say, enough! We're taking you to Jesus. No, they're all going to stare at me. Oh, no. Paralyzed. He says, so here he is. He is uh, rejected, judged, shamed. I have a question. Is there more to this paralyzed man than his paralysis? But at this point, probably he and nobody else can see the more. He said, and then when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, be encouraged. Grab some of my courage, in other words. Your sins are forgiven. What a strange statement. What, what's going on there? Now remember, this is the hometown. Now I got a question. I don't know about you, but my brain gets kind of sneaky. My images of him, he, got, he had a few too many and fell off the top of a roof. Anybody have some brokenness in your body and everybody blames you for it? What? <laughs> Never. No. What is Jesus? That shame, it's mine. I deserve it. Anybody here? God saved you. He delivered you. But now you got to pay it off. Maybe in your stupidity, you racked up a bunch of debt. But, well, God's not good enough to deal with that because I did it. I'm glad he forgave me. Maybe, maybe you, did, you had an issue in your life or whatever it is. Jesus goes, I forgive you. You are forgiven. And at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. I love it that he's a fellow. I don't know. What the, but anyway, and he says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But what I, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Oh, wait, whoop, whoop, sorry. Get up, take up your mat, and go home. And then the man got up and went home. I have a curious question. Do you think the guy would have been healed if he hadn't gotten up? It is arguable, isn't it? But I would submit to you, like Schrodinger's cat, it doesn't matter. Because if he never got up, even though he was healed, he was still paralyzed in his actions. Does it matter what is true if you do not receive it as truth? Then the man got up, and when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Do you know what Jesus said about you and me? If you forgive any man, his sins are forgiven. I'm okay with Jesus forgiving sins, but me? He's not just talking about the sins against us. What does he mean? Think about it like this. Publishers, uh, uh, let's... Uh, the guy who hands out the big checks for a lottery winning. The person won when they got the right numbers, but when he gets to hand them the check, 
right? You and I get to let people know they have been forgiven. We get to deliver them the check. We are the ones who are blessed to say, by the way, good news for you. That thing that you did that you think you have to pay for, he paid for. And he, we are here to deliver the good news. And then going on, he, he says, uh, he, as Jesus went on from there, he saw Matthew, right? And he calls him. And it's in that context when he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, it says the, the Pharisees are really ticked off. And in verse 12, he says, on hearing that, they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Then Jesus, John's disciples asked, bum, 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 that's all good stuff too, you should read it. Verse 18, what we see the story we already talked about where Jesus heals. He's on the way to raise a girl from the dead, and he heals a woman with a flow of blood, Right? So we talked about with her, she was rejected, she was shamed, probably blamed, and what is, and so what does Jesus do? She gets healed. We don't know, she touches his, the hem of his garment, or did he get healed when he said your faith healed you? Him? Does it say that it was the, yeah, power went out, but we don't know. Like, like I'm just saying, I want to submit, we are very much into instantaneous and transactional. He's into relationship. The reality is if he had not taken the moment to go, Hey, you're healed. Do you think anybody here, God heals you of something chronic, but you kept waiting for it to come back. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of, uh, many of you have shared this with me? I got healed of something chronic, but I'm afraid to give the testimony yet. Jesus goes, shoved straight to the line. He said, you're healed. And everybody listen up. She's clean. He t- restores her. You know, the funny thing I found and seeing probably hundreds or thousands of people healed over life, uh, over lifetime is I've noticed this. You know what's funny? Oftentimes, we can't nail down the moment healing comes, but who cares because you're healed? We're obsessed with the magic of the moment. Who healed them? Was it the touching that healed her? Or was it God who healed her? Yes, it is God who heals. It's not this magic. We make it out of method. Have you noticed? I have a question. Is there a method so far? Have you seen a method yet? What's the method? Jesus, <laughs> exactly, the method is Jesus, the message is love, the method is love, it's not, when we make it about a transaction, we make it about us, it's about love, so then he comes in, same deal, he could raise that little girl in the middle of a bunch of people, but does he, a bunch of people who have no faith, who don't care, no, he kicks them out. Anybody here as a child been violated by adults? You know what I mean? Like, look, come on, show Aunt Betty your dance. You know what I'm talking about? He's not going to use this little girl's vulnerability as a show. He's going to love her. Mm -hmm. 
Again, in that society, she was worthless as a little girl, honestly. She, um, you know, she was a girl. And yet, what does he do? He takes her by the hand. And I love how he says, he says, Talitha He says, little girl, sweetie pie, rise up. Ugh! Two words. Here we end, theoretically. All right, here it is. It said, then as Jesus went on from there, verse 27, two blind men followed him. Well, I was like the blind leading the blind. I mean, this is working out great. Like one of them's like, I got really good ears. The other's like, I got a good nose. You know, I'm going to keep us out of the, the manure. You'll keep us out of traffic. Let's do this. Right? I don't know. I, and, Anybody been through a bad season and you find someone as blind as you and you just huddle up? Okay, moving on. Moving on. But again, do you remember the disciples asking who sinned? Because being blind was a horrible, it was a sign you were cursed. Wasn't that, what a horrible thing. You are cursed. And you are, don't matter. In fact, they would spit on you as a way of agreeing with the curse. Jesus and two blind men crawled out, have mercy on us, son of David. You know, these guys might be the very first ones to even intimate that he's the Messiah. They're blind, and yet they see. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. I don't know how they did that, right? You see him like climbing through the window. I don't know. Like, how did they get in there, right? Because everywhere he went, it was packed. And he's like, they're like, they're like using their sticks, like hockey pucks, you know, like coming through. I don't know. I love it. He, when he had gone inside. So, okay, here's a question. They're calling out to him. And what does Jesus do? No, he walks off. What? How dare you? Anybody offended yet? Anybody cried out to Jesus and you haven't seen your breakthrough yet? Jesus walks off. Now, Jesus is love. How could love do that? Might not be time. You know, if you're a beggar and people give you stuff, what is that? Pity. Pity. Anybody want pity? I've never met anybody who wants pity. I know people who use pity, but nobody wants it. Why? Because pity demeans me. Jesus is like, I ain't going to pity you. Fine. I'm going to be powerful and rise up and ask you. I can see Jesus chuckling going, yeah, that's it, that's it. Right there, right there. You're not a weak wuss of a person. You're amazing. Come on, just like the, the leper was willing to overcome the possibility of rejection. When they had gone indoors, the men came to him and asked him, do you believe that I'm able? And he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He's treating them the way he treated the centurion. Wow. Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes, the place that had been spit on. According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored, 
Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one that you no one t- knows about this, but they went out and spread it around the neighborhood. <laughs> Again, he was like, I'm not going to use you as a photo op. Look, here we are down here at the dumps healing these people, right? Does he, does he use them? Does he pity them? No, because he's not just restoring their sight. He's restoring their dignity. Here's the final part. Uh, oh, verse 32, as he was, went going out. All right, we got another demoniac. There's too many people getting healed. We're running out of space. All right, um, we've got to stop this. All right, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk, the enemy had stolen his tongue. And when the demon was driven out, notice they don't even bother to tell us how it happened. It's become so commonplace. We don't even know. It's just driven out. The man who was mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed and said, nobody has done this like, like has seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Uh, you know, well, and, and let me just say this. Even Jesus couldn't guarantee control the outcome or the results, right? Do you guys remember he healed 10 lepers? Only nine came back. I mean, one came back, Right? He's, but we freely you've received, freely give. We don't love people because they love us in return. We don't serve them because they're going to respond positively to it. We simply want to magnify him that they might see him and they might receive him or not. But we will love them. No holds barred. Notice the interesting thing is, I, I've noticed this, is throughout scripture, what happens when demonized people get around Jesus, their demons manifest. You know what I call that? An allergy. The demons have an allergy. So most demonic likes to stay hidden because that's how they can manipulate. But guess what? When you come into the presence of Jesus, it creates, they don't like it. Guess what though? It's a sign of their demise. It's not to be freaked out about it. It's just simply, it gets to go. And when Jesus saw one of those things acting up, they, a lot of times they want attention. They want to you to be impressed with their power. He, what does he do? How does he cast them out? With a word. He's not going to partner with their further torment of this person. Just a freebie. All right. And the final piece. 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease. How many diseases? How many exclusions? Every disease. By the way, if you ever spend a time studying every and all in, the, in nothing, like those three words throughout the Gospels and uh, the epistles, you might get saved. Just saying. <laughs> Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. You know that word compassion means he was gripped in his gut. Ugh! It's not a fun feeling. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest. You can see the disciples. Lord, send the workers out into the harvest. 
verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called the 12 disciples, gave them the authority over impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness and sent them out. What if you're the answer to your prayers? He has no one but you. You're his, you're his A-team. You are the manifest of, manifestation of Jesus on the earth. If you come into the presence of something, the enemy has to flee. Those sicknesses have to go. You get to bring the kingdom. Because it's love. Because it's love. I feel like every single one of us has certain things in our hearts and minds that are not in alignment with what we just saw here. Can we agree on that? Is that okay? Maybe we have a practical theology. Maybe we have a practical theology. I haven't gotten healed yet. Anybody want an upgrade to this level? Anybody, you want to see people healed with a touch. You want to be healed with a touch. You want to see people delivered with a touch. You want to see people's shame ripped off them. You want to see the unclean made clean. You want to see the bound freed. You want to see the rejected included. Dignity for all. That's what he wants to do in and through us. We can have the worship team come up. Father, we see imperfectly and we display you imperfectly. We ask you, Jesus, now to shine your light through us. Lord, let there be, let us not have any no-fly zones. Let us not be impressed with darkness. Let us not be impressed with evil. Let us not be impressed with brokenness, sickness, or disease. But let us be impressed with you, that your love might flow through us to the world. Oh, Father, begin with us. If we can stand, we worship you, Lord. Be magnified. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.